This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. We're studying currently the various aspects of fasting in the Word. In James chapter 4, verse number 15, the Bible says, For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. It's imperative that we, that we keep God's will in the forefront of our life and to seek to do his will, diligently seek to do his will. And uh, I have talked to people recently that has uh, said to me in one way or another, uh, yeah, I've heard that before and I've, I've got that pretty well under control and I've got this mastered and I've got a good grip on that. And the truth of the matter is, I'm just not really sure about it. And I'm not the judge and I'm not the one that uh, holds anybody accountable. But I think within the realm of all of us, we, we, we have not arrived. We, we have not, we, we don't have any of this under our belt, mastered, scholared. We, it's just not there. And we have to diligently daily study to seek God's leading. And in this particular passage, it's dealing with God's will. If it's God's will, we should say we shall live or do this or that. And so you need to get in a habit of saying, Lord willing, Lord willing. I plan to do this, Lord willing. Or Lord willing, I'll be there. Or Lord willing, I'll do that, whatever it is. But always keep God's will in the forefront of your, your perspective. And trying to discern what God's will is is a serious matter. And one of the avenues is, and I'm going to give you a couple others here in just a minute, uh, briefly, but one of the most serious avenues is through the avenue of fasting. We've talked about the Daniel Fast which primarily deals with physical healing, pinpointing it down to the digestive system. And then we talked about uh, Ezra's fast, how the people came together to solve a group problem. The people all had a situation. And now we're looking at what is called the St. Paul's fast. And this particular fast in the scripture, it deals with solving problems. And... So as I lay a foundation for that tonight and, and reference this passage that we are in, I think that when we're looking at the St. Paul fast, uh, it, it, you'll certainly see what I'm referencing to in solving problems, seeking God's will, trusting the Lord to lead you to make good decisions and what he would have you to do. And so based upon that way of introduction, I'm going to ask you to go back with me to the book of Acts, and I'd like for you to see something with me tonight in Acts chapter 9. This is where we were uh, formulating the, the study last Wednesday night. I love to hear those pages turn. I really do. And it's good to see him up here on the screen, You and I thank you, Brother Justin, for getting him up there. That guy really works hard every Sunday, and I throw him a curveball every now and then. I give him a list of scriptures I'm going to use, 
But then I'll call several out there and I say, now, if you can get it up there pretty quick, Justin, I appreciate that. And he sure enough does it. He just pops them up there and he gets them there for you. And uh, those of you that prefer giant print, well, there it is right there. But uh, I, I love to hear the sweet pages of Scripture turn. It's just uh, the sweetness of it. But in Acts chapter 9, you, you know and you're well familiar with the story. Saul of Tarsus, he's, he's breathing out threatenings against the church. Sort of like what's in the stew pot of today. Because... Uh, whether uh, there is an overwhelming sense of agreement and, and testimonial to it, that's here nor there. But the truth of the matter is the church of the living God is going through some introductional steps of persecution right now. And if Jesus tarries is coming, we haven't seen anything of the likes of it. I know that there are several churches in different states going through severe persecutions now. Uh, one church in particular that was having in-home Bible studies and, and some crazed neighbor was complaining about that and now it's, it's blown way out of proportion. Some pastors are under persecution at this point for specific metaphors using uh, dealing with transgender issues going on. It's just, it, it's not going to stop. And now we're going to see things escalate. And believe me, there are many, many people in this country who is totally against this book. And they are on the fast track of trying to do everything they possibly can to cause havoc for the church. And we haven't seen the likes of things in our day and time that's coming down the highway, but believe me, it's in the stew pot. Paul in his day was breathing out threatenings and persecutions against the church. You know this story, it's about his conversion on the Damascus Road. He was traveling with warrants in his possession to bring back Christians to Jerusalem to be tried, to be martyred, to be persecuted in various unbelievable ways. And uh, you know the story as he was traveling on this Damascus road, the bright light from heaven came down, blinded him, knocked him off of his horse, and he began to have a conversation with Jesus. And by the way, let me say this. It's a good place here to say it. One of the credentials of being an apostle, and let me stop and say this, that there are no living apostles today. And so if you're on the television watching every religious broadcast that you can find coming down the highway, and there are people coming across the screen calling themselves apostle this and apostle that and apostle this, believe me, there are no living apostles today. One of the credentials of being an apostle was that they had to be an eyewitness. They had to see 
the resurrected Savior. That was, that was one of the calling cards that, that could not be disputed. And so you study the word of God and you, you recognize that by this time, this story was written, Jesus had been crucified, he had been buried, he had been risen. And in Acts chapter 1 and 2, we, we find uh, the, the Pentecost experience and we find Jesus taking his disciples to the Mount of Olives 40 days after the resurrection, ascending back to the Father, giving the Great Commission. And so somebody might say, well, why is he called the Apostle Paul then if Jesus had been crucified, buried, resurrected, ascended back to heaven before this even took place? How could he be an apostle? But another place in scripture, and I definitely don't have time to get into that tonight, but Paul was taught everything that he was to know in the beginning of his ministry by the Lord Jesus himself, where Jesus took him to the Arabian desert. Jesus took him to the Arabian desert. And Paul spent three years with Jesus being his teacher. He had sat at the feet of Gamal, scholared in the law, but now the resurrected Jesus was commissioning him, setting him forth to be an apostle. And so he did see the resurrected Savior. But let me get back on track here now. That was That's just good stuff when you really get in the word. But so here he is, he's now on the road to Damascus, the bright light comes down, blinds him, knocks him off of the horse, and he begins to have this conversation with Jesus. And Jesus begins to talk to him. In fact, in verse number four, Jesus asked the question, if you have a red-lettered addition to your Bible, you, you are well rehearsed in the fact to know that all the red letters that you'll find in the New Testament are the actual words of Jesus that he spoke. And you see these red letters in Acts 9-4. And Jesus begins to conversate with Saul. And he said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why are you doing this? Why are you coming against my people? Why are you, why are you persecuting them? And you know, just a little bit before this, he was at the stoning of Stephen. You, you think about the animosity and the hatred that was in his heart against the church. And by the way, this is another pause button. It's just something came to me just a minute. This is good stuff. When, when Saul had this experience and he was told to go into the street called Straight and he was told to go into Ananias' house and, and Ananias was going to bring him in and so forth, you'll find that all in the red letters here. Uh, in verse number 11, Lord said to him, arise and go into the street, which is called straight and so forth. At this particular time in Saul's life, he was like a man without a country. Because all the Christians were scared to death of him. He, he was now converted. He gave his heart to Jesus here on the Damascus road. All the Christians were terrified against him. 
because of his reputation. His reputation preceded him. He, he was going to punish and hurt and afflict the church in any way he possibly could. He was vehement against it. Killing God's spokesmen, preachers, deacons. That it wasn't out of his rule book. He, 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 he joyed in all of that. And so when he sincerely gave his heart to the Lord Jesus. In fact, look at verse 5. Jesus said, when Paul said to him, who art thou, Lord? Jesus, is this you? Is this really you? And notice this. And Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecuted. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In verse 6, and he trembling and astonished said, and look at this. He had a decision to make. This is where we get the St. Paul fest. He had a huge decision to make. Because he was told, and he trembling and astonished, said, Lord, isn't it amazing that immediately in his whole conversion experience, he begins to acknowledge the lordship of Christ? That's tremendous. Lord, why didn't he say, hey, you, you that's talking to me now, why, why, why didn't he speak sacrilegiously? But he spoke very reverently. He acknowledged Jesus as Lord. And that's something that we all need to recognize. It's one thing to call him Savior, but it's another thing to call him Lord. I pray Jesus is Lord of all of your life. But here, notice this now. Jesus said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard to kick for thee to kick against the priest. And he's trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? Now, Jesus begins to give him some very specific instructions. And he says here, Jesus said, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Can you imagine that? They're, they're hearing this entire conversation but they're looking all around and nobody's there. Saul's laying on the ground. They're hearing this conversation, seeing no man. Saul arose from the earth and when his eyes were open, he saw no man, but they led him by, look at this, by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Look at this now. And he was three days without sight. Neither did eat nor drink. Now, here's, here's where the decision came in. The Lord said, listen, I want you to go into a certain place in a certain town, and you're going to find a man named Ananias who is going to help you. Saul had a decision to make. He could have said, you know what? This, this is crazy. I, I'm not doing this. I've, I've fought against this Jesus for a long time. I'm not doing this. He had a decision thrown at him whether or not he was going to do it, and he had to make a decision. And he did. He decided to do it. And the scripture says this, and the Lord said unto him in verse 11, Arise, go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth the instructions given to Ananias. And he had seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. 
And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. And so this is where he's, he's, Saul is actually a man without a country. All the Christians are in fear of him because of the things that Ananias has just said, as if he were reminding Jesus of all of this. And then Saul had turned his back on the government that he was working for to bring these Christians back to Jerusalem for persecution. So now he had turned his back on the ones who he was working for. He knew they were not going to support him now that he had submitted, he had turned to, he had received Jesus. And now the Christians are in such a disarray with this whole thing, they don't know that they can trust him. So here he is, he's now given his heart to Christ and he's a man without a country. And that's the obstacle that he was up against right here. But he had a choice. God didn't make him do it. He told him to do it, but he had a free will to do it. And verse number 15, but the Lord said unto him, go thy way. He's speaking to Ananias now. For he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. All right, now, Saul eventually would become the great apostle Paul. But he had a decision to make. And the St. Paul fast is basically designated to help us with decisions. He had a great decision to make. And we are going to make, obviously, many dire decisions in our lifetime. I want you to see something about decision-making that we encounter. And probably one of my favorite verses along this line is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 46, verse 10. And I know that I'm speaking to so many tonight that you're watching by internet and you, you've got to make some pertinent decisions in your life. Maybe things that will change your life, alter your future. Maybe there are some people here tonight, you're facing monumental decisions. Well, let me remind you of one of the sweetest passages of Scripture. And this is where I hope you write this down because you won't remember it unless you have memorized this verse and probably a scripture like this, not many have. But this is a passage of scripture that you'll hear tonight and you'll say, that's good. But I don't want it to be just good for you. I want you to be able to refer to it when facing monumental decisions. Isaiah 46, verse number 10. Look at this. And this, this is in reference to the omniscient, almighty God that we serve. What does the word omniscient mean? Class, what does it mean? All-knowing. Give him a red apple. All-knowing. Very good. So we have to take into consideration the fact that God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. And look at this. Look at verse 10. Declaring the end from the beginning. Most every time I pray with someone that's going through dire straits of their life and they are facing a tremendous amount of skepticism or doubt or worry because they're not able to see what's around the corner, but yet 
They're being called upon to make a decision. There, there have been multitudes of people that have gone through surgeries that has expressed to me many emotions during most hurtful and painful and vulnerable times of their life. Preacher, pray this way, pray this way, pray this way. And I have tried to make it a habit and a practice to pray along these lines. God, you see the end from the beginning. And that is something, God, we cannot see. That's something that we do not know, but you know. And so, God, you know right now how this is going to turn out. We don't. All we know is that the just shall live by faith because you're omnipotent and you are omniscient. You are omnipresent. And so look at the scripture. Again now, write this down. Go back to it, refer to it. You'll say that's good stuff and I don't want you to forget it before you get to the car. I want you to be able to go back to this and apply it. Look at this. Declaring the end from the beginning, that's omniscience. And from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So the thing that I want you to know is this, that God sees all of our end from the beginning. God saw way back in the beginning of your life where you would be right now tonight. You being in these pews tonight is not an accident. God's not stumbling across this. God knew the valleys and the mountains, the rivers, the storms, the hot barren deserts that you would have to travel in your life were it all in God's good pleasure has brought you those of you that are watching tonight, you're here. Those of you that are seated tonight, you're here. By God's good pleasure, he, has, he saw this moment happening way back in the eons of time. And think about all the twists and turns in your life that has brought you to a place here tonight with your Bible in your lap, listening to the word of God. Now tell me, is that not making old things new. Hang on to this verse. God sees the end from the beginning. You can't and I can't, but he wants us to trust him. So I want you to think about this. God sees now the decisions that we face. He sees the other side of the decisions that we're going to make. And he knows what that's going to do. Now, let me give you this real quickly here. Write these down. My time is going by quick. One of the ways that we can hear from God, this is very simple, but what's not simple is the scripture reference, and that's what I want you to have. Because obviously we know that one of the most simplest ways for us to hear from God is to read the word. But I want you to have the scripture reference for that. 
So I want you to turn with me real quick to the book of Deuteronomy, right after the book of Numbers, and I want you to see this. Let's go to chapter 8. Okay, Justin, it's one of those moments for you, brother. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 3. God, one of the most simplest ways that he will speak to us is through his word. That's why it's important we, we read this book every day. Now look at it. And he humbled thee, suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only. Look at this but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. And so God clearly teaches us, this is one of many scriptures I could give you, it's one of the most precious of the Old Testament. God clearly speaks to us through his word. And then let me share this, seeking God's will, James 4.15, God can speak to us through the counsel of friends. And I want you to see this. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 11. And I want you to notice with me verse number 14. And I'll have a little bit to say about this tonight. God definitely will speak to us through his word. So if you're taking notes in the margin of your Bible or maybe the back white page of your Bible or maybe over the maps or on a chewing gum wrapper on a Wawa receipt, something, you're writing some of this stuff down. And these are the most simplistic ways that God will speak to you through the word, but then through the counsel of friends. And here's what the, the word says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse number 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, let me say this about that. If you choose to seek counsel in your life with a host of people, let me give you a couple of things to consider. Not everybody you think you can trust with your secret will keep your secret. Some people you think you can trust are nothing more than walking billboards. And I guarantee you, the first telephone that they can find, they're going to be calling your name out to somebody and your story. And this is what they're going to say. If you promise not to tell, I'm going to tell you something. But you got to promise not to tell. And you know what they're going to say? I promise. And before the sun sets on the day, they will call somebody and say, you will never guess. If you promise not to take, and, and you know what happens in this? It won't come out exactly the way you said it. Oh my goodness. They're going to put something juicy on the front of it, in the middle of it, and on the back end of it. They're going to make it sound just a little bit more explosive than what you said. So my caution to you is this. This is a precious verse of scripture and there is wisdom to it. But if I were you, 
I would never lay your heart on the altar of a friend unless you have proven their track record. And the last person you want to talk to about your problem is somebody that has a spiritual track record like a yo-yo. Up and down, in and out, problem to problem. And that's the last person. I don't, well, they've been with me ever since I was born. We were born in the same cradle. We were born in the same hospital. Listen, you need wisdom. Don't do that. Don't do it. But when you have somebody that has proven themselves to be true, a true friend, and listen, a friend loveth at all times. All times. Not just when you giving them something, but a friend loveth at all times. That means this. They know you inside and out. They, they can see you coming a country mile off. They know maybe half of what you say is not true. And some of what you say is not kind. They, they got you all figured out. But they still love you. And they pray for you. And you can know like you can count on them to pray for you just as well as you know that the sun will rise in God's great mercy tomorrow morning and the moon will shine tonight. You know it. So God does reveal things to us. When you, when you bear your soul into someone, you, you've got to be careful. You've got to be careful. All of us need that kind of a person in our life where we can bury our soul and do it with comfort. The scripture says, look at this, in verse number 14, that there is comfort in, in the counsel of friends, a multitude of friends. You gotta be careful. Now, perhaps I think I have time for one more. Got about three minutes. And I want to write, I hope you're writing this down because next Wednesday night I'm going to give you some more that I want you to be able to go back and reference. How can God speak to me? He can speak to you through his word. He can speak to you through the counsel of good, wise, careful, loving, true friends. And then probably as simple as God speaking to you through the word, he can speak to your heart inwardly. And the scripture that I want to give you tonight, I turn quickly and I, my time is up. But I want to read this scripture for you in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 14. And I want to give you just a statement or two with this verse and we'll wind up our study for tonight. The Bible says this, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, this is Romans eight fourteen. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, that means you have all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. You are totally surrendered and submitted to him. For as many are as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. You can tell, you might say this, well, Pastor, how can I know for sure that it is the Spirit of the living God speaking to me? I'm facing a decision and, and I'm trusting in God's word. I'm reading his word. I have... I have put my, my soul 
at the foot of the cross. I have buried my soul in the confidence and the counsel of good, sincere friends who love me when I'm bad, who love me when I'm wrong, who loves me in the good times as well. And I'm, I'm seeking God's will. I've got to make a decision. I want to know what to do. How do I know that it is the Spirit of God leading me? Listen to this. The scripture says to try the spirits, first of all, to see if they be of God. Well, how do I know that, preacher? You put it to the test, and this is the test. God will never, ever lead you to go against this book, to operate outside of his word. Somebody told me this a long time ago. I've never forgot it. I won't mention his name, or the preacher that they were in reference to. But they said, preacher, did you hear the new revelation on TV? This brother so-and-so said that in the latter days, God, the Holy Spirit, would operate outside of the word of God. And I will tell you this, he will never do that. You know why? Somebody might say, well, you know, God's got to keep up with the times. God just can't be the old, same old-fashioned God that he's always been. Uh, we, we're not wearing tunics and sandals anymore. It's a different planet. God's got to get with it. The reason I know and I can say with confidence tonight that God the Holy Spirit will never operate outside of this book is because this book says the word of God is settled in heaven forever. He said, I am the Lord. I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. So this same old-fashioned God has given us an old-fashioned way. And you can know God's word. If, if you feel that, and listen, Demon spirits will whisper to you. They will talk to you if you allow it, if you submit yourself to that. They'll talk to you many times. Satan whispers, there's no need to try. You've heard the song. The way you know you can tell, try the spirits, does, is, is what you feel coming in your heart. Does it line up with this book? If it doesn't line up with this book, friend, you need to... Put your fingers in your ear, plead the blood of Jesus over your heart, and not pay attention to that. So listen, what we've learned tonight is this, because it all leads through the area of fasting, which is a more elevated way. But God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through good, sound friends that may have a word of wisdom who, who might have been there and done that, Wounded in spirit, but brought through the fire, brought through the furnace. And then he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit inwardly in our heart. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.